The readings from John chapter 1, verses 1 to 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Amen. Thank you, Margaret. So I'm Claire, and I'm one of the leaders here, and it is an absolute privilege and joy to be sharing with you this morning. As many of you know, um, I'm studying part-time for a master's degree in missional leadership. Um, I'm coming to the end of my first year, and what I've been learning over just in this first year is both challenging and exciting me. And this morning, I'm going to share something that God's been teaching me just in the recent weeks, and that's about following Jesus' example of getting up close and personal with the people that I, the people that we see in the places that we go to each and every day. I was away skiing um, the week before last, and when I got back, I was sort of catching up on Facebook, and I was really encouraged to see two particular posts on our gathering page. If you're not part of our Facebook gathering page, then I encourage you to request to join that. But Neve um, and Emily both posted in the last week um, about how our actions and our words display God and how we're that message each day and the need for everyday evangelism and mission. And then others of you have have sort of joined in those conversations in your comments. And that's exactly really what I'm going to be talking about this morning. So thank you, Neve and Emily, for almost paving the way um, for what we're going to be thinking about this morning. Let's keep those kind of conversations going um, and just engage with what God's showing us. So I wonder, what are the first words that come into your head to describe God? Shout them out. Nothing? Saviour? Love? 
faithfulness, sovereign, peace, forgiveness, love. Yeah, so I would have said loving, provider, faithful, just maybe. How about missionary or missional? Up until a year ago, they wouldn't have even been at the bottom of my list of words that I would have used to describe God. But now they're up there at the top. So historically, Christians have understood mission in a number of ways. Mission has been as interpreted as saving individuals from eternal punishment in hell. That's a real historic way of looking at mission. Or understood in cultural terms as introducing people from other continents, people across the seas, to the best blessings and privileges of the Christian West. Mission's also been seen as a means to grow the church. But in the last 500 years or so, there has been a real shift towards understanding mission as God's mission. I've been doing a lot of reading um, from an author called David Bosch, and he's explored the paradigm shifts in the theology of mission throughout church history. And he suggests that mission is not primarily an activity of the church, but an attribute of God, that God is a missionary God. So that's my starting point for what we're going to be thinking about this morning. So there's a Latin term, missio dei, for the mission of God. And missio dei is tied to the Trinity with God the Father sending the Son, God the Father and the Son sending the Spirit, and then God the Father, the Son, and the Spirit sending the church into the world. So Missio Dei places the emphasis of the ownership of mission onto God, onto God who is already at work in the world and who calls the church, that's us, into partnership with him. The church, therefore, is described and seen as the tools of God, the instruments through which God carries out his mission. So mission is now being seen as a movement from God out to the world with the church, God's instruments of that mission. So there's a church because there is mission, not mission because there is church. So participate to join in in mission is to join in in the movement of God's love throughout history towards his people. An image that's being used um, around this movement and the flow of God's love to the world is a river. Sound familiar? And how that flow of God into the world. So our motto text this year is Ezekiel 47.9, where the river flows, everything will live. So if we are going to join God in his mission, we need to enter the flow of the river with all of its twists and turns and to allow ourselves to go where it flows. And to do this, this is again going to sound familiar, we may need to go deeper into that river to take our feet off the bottom and to let the river take us into what God is already doing Take us to the places where God is at work, to the places that God has prepared for us to go and be his instrument. 
This has been our um, experience in the journey of Waypoint Hub. It's almost two years exactly since Waypoint Hub was born. Um, and it was born um, as COVID was just sort of happening. It was taking over. There were lockdowns happening all around the world. Lockdown here was imminent, but it wasn't happening. And it was just born out of a desire to practically love and support our community. Over the last two years, the hub has grown and developed way beyond anything we would ever have imagined. But every step of the way has been a response to what God has been setting out before us, to pushing the doors that God has been opening, to connecting with the people of peace that God has put in our path. So one example was um, just over a year ago, we were approached by Hampshire County Council to add a pantry provision to the hub services. First, we were like, no way, it doesn't fit with, with what we're doing, it's not something we want to explore. But we found out a little bit more, and we went off to visit pantries in um, Romsey and Lee Park. And we just came back, and we were like, this is the next step. This is what God wants us to do. And so we added what we call the more for less scheme to our free food parcels, the next step for people moving on from having free food provision. And what's happened as a result of that, that has opened up the hub to connect with more people in need in our local community and at a depth that we would never ever have expected before. So God had prepared that. We, we didn't go looking for that. It was just where God was leading us. And there are other examples of within the journey of the hub um, of how God has prepared the way. So the whole Bible is the big story of God's mission through God's people in their engagement with God's world for the sake of God's purpose for the whole of God's creation. When you heard our reading from John 1 earlier, did your thoughts go straight to Christmas and a carol service and expect our next song to be a Christmas carol? Because it's often at Christmas, it's most often at Christmas that we hear that John 1 passage, isn't it? And it's also at Christmas when we think mostly about the incarnation of God and celebrate God coming into the world as a human baby. I love the message version of John 1, verse 14, which says, the, world be the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. It's great, isn't it? So the beginning of John's gospel reveals the grand scheme of God's purposes with all of creation coming into being through one word. And at the same time, in that same passage, it shows the practical obedience of one man, John the Baptist. The gospel writer takes us from the cosmic proportion of the word becoming flesh to the individual call to mission of John. So in the incarnation, in Jesus, God entered into a particular village, Nazareth, into a particular family through Mary and Joseph, in a particular year. Jesus became part of that particular culture and the language of first century Judaism. And it was from that setting that Jesus was concerned with and represented the marginalized, the poor, the sick people that he met. And it was out of that restricted cultural setting that Jesus expressed God's plan for a renewed earth where Jesus challenged certain aspects of the culture he was part of. And he sought to create an alternative culture 
as opposed to the one that he was living as part of. So through the incarnation, Jesus was fully God, yet he fully identified as a human and lived as a first century Jew. Jesus embodied God. He lived out and taught the ways of God's kingdom. He challenged people to embrace the values of God's kingdom. He ministered God's freedom and healing. Jesus didn't just do that from a distance. Jesus got up close and personal with people. He spent most of the three years of his ministry outside of the temple walls, walking in and among people, out on the hillside, by the sea, in towns and villages, in people's homes. Jesus spent time talking with the Samaritan woman at the well, eating meals with tax collectors and sinners, letting a sinful woman sit at his feet, inviting children to come to him, touching the sick and the poor. And we know that Jesus was challenged and questioned about why he was spending time with these type of people. And Jesus' answer was that they were the people he had come for. Jesus didn't just care about the ultimate redemption of souls. He cared and provided for people's physical needs. He was concerned for their everyday realities, for the things that they were experiencing, for the things that worried them. So God, who makes worlds with words, came into the neighborhood through the incarnation, and to start with, nobody noticed God was in the neighborhood for 30 years before anyone noticed him. Jesus was around for 30 years before he started doing anything. That says a lot about God and how he operates. I think too often we we rush away from the message of Christmas, from the message of the incarnation, and of the wonder of what God did in coming into our world, taking on the form of human flesh and living there. It's one of those things that we, we almost bypass and it does, we don't allow it to permeate, to get into our imagination. And then that doesn't in turn impact the way that we live out our lives as Christians every day. When actually if we stop and pause and wonder, it should change everything. So as Jesus followers, we are called all of us to participate in his mission of reconciliation and restoration for the world. To be called to join the God who created the world in his mission can seem a bit daunting, can't it? But it's actually a great privilege and a great responsibility. So if we stop and look at the way that God engages through the world and the fact that that's through incarnation then we are called to be an incarnational people. And if we're going to be an incarnational people, then that moves away from ministry happening at a distance and it embraces ministry as happening up close and personal as the love of God and the good news of Jesus are embodied by each one of us living as his followers. So looking at it another way, if God is a missionary God, we are called to become a missionary people. 
I've been doing a lot of thinking around theology and methodology and how they impact one another. But thinking around this and how God engages with the, the world, so our theology, the way that we think about how God engages with the world, needs to inform our methodology. So that's how we engage with the world around us. John Stott was 86 when he was given free choice on what to speak, preach on for his last sermon, which was at the Keswick Convention in 2007. And he chose to preach on Jesus as our model and the call for us to be Christ-like followers. And John Stott said this, as Jesus entered our world, so we are to enter other people's worlds. We are not to bring them into our world. We are to let them see what it means to serve Jesus, to see what Jesus blesses, challenges, and outshines in their world. So if we are to reach people outside of the church, out in our communities, out in the places where we are every day, then Jesus, as seen in his incarnation, in his service, his love, his endurance, and his mission needs to be our model. By imitating Jesus, by following his example and doing Jesus-shaped mission, we discover that the method is actually the message. Jesus went into places. He immersed himself in them. He put down roots in them. He loved and identified with individuals and groups of people. He was present with them. He got up close and personal with them. So with Jesus as our example, we need to be identifying with and being present in our neighborhoods, our networks, in all the places that we are every day throughout the week. Following Jesus' example means, doesn't just mean preaching the good news, it means living the good news. And through the way we live, representing God, by representing his big story, by challenging things that we see and hear that aren't in line with God's value and purposes. Moving on through the New Testament, we, we come to Acts and we meet the Apostle Paul. Paul followed Jesus' example of incarnational mission. In Acts 28, verse 30, when Paul was in Rome, it says, For two whole years, Paul stayed there in Rome in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. Paul, wherever he went, got up close and personal with people by becoming one of them to reach them. In 1 Corinthians 9, we read how he made himself a slave, weak, like a Jew, like one under the law. And there we see Paul deliberately identifying himself with those he was seeking to win for the gospel. Paul recognized the importance of becoming one of, becoming like the people he was ministering to, doing life with them, but at the same time maintaining his identity as a follower of Jesus. Um, in Corinthians 9, verse 21, Paul wrote, To those not having the law, I became like one, one not having the law, 
then in brackets, though I am not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. That's one of those passages you need to read, so I would encourage you to read that. 1 Corinthians um, 9, verse 21. So as Jesus became like those he was ministering to, so did Paul. And Jesus became like us so that we can become like him. And in doing that, people will find the salvation, love, joy, peace, hope, forgiveness that we have found in Jesus. So God's call is for us, like Paul, to enter into other people's worlds, engaging with them, becoming like them, at the same time as remaining Christ-like and maintaining our Christian integrity so that we can help them find Jesus, so that we can make disciples and we can be an agent of transformation in their world as we work for God's preferred future for that particular place and people that God has called us to. The most effective preaching comes from embodying the things that we're saying. We, the way we live, are the message just as much as the things that we say. As people look at us, they need to see that what we're saying is being lived out in practice. It's not our words or ideas that communicate, it's us. It's personal authenticity that gets the message across, that connects deep inside other people. We've heard this before. We might be the only Bible that some people, we, some people ever read. John Wesley is somebody that I've been studying um, and looking at how we can learn lessons from um, the Christian history. And John Wesley, when he was ministering in the 18th century, understood how important it was to be relevant. And so he was committed to making the gospel relevant to those outside of the church. And based on Jesus's command to love God and to love others, Wesley taught the need for a practical outworking of faith with no distinction between what he called the personal gospel, the what was happening on the inside, and the social gospel. It was just one gospel which would be expressed simultaneously in both ways. Often, our best opportunities to share our faith come from putting our faith in action through our everyday involvement and caring in unspectacular ways for the people we're connecting with, we can earn the right to be heard. I'll give you another example here from The Hub. Um, we've got a lady who started coming to us about eight months ago, and she came with her friend, and she would chat with her friend, and she would, she would start to engage with us. Um, and then over time, the more she came, the more we chatted with her. Um, she's got the most amazing purple dyed hair, and my dream is to dye my hair purple one day. Um, and so got chatting to her about that, connecting with it. She's now dyed her hair a different colour, so she's given me the box because she no longer needs the purple hair colour. So one day, the purple hair may appear or not. Um, but the more we've got to chat with her, the more we've just helped her, supported her, done life with her, the more she's started opening up. 
And this week, um, she was chatting to me about the fact that I'd been um, away skiing, and I happened to mention that Peter Andre was there while I was there. And she loves Peter Andre. So I started showing in my holiday photos, and she opened up more than she ever has before. And then we've been given a grant, and we're giving out underwear warm underwear to our users. And as she filled out her underwear request form, she shared two of the most enormous life situations that she has been living with for the last six years. Um, We knew she'd been struggling, but we had no idea what she was actually going through. But it's just come out of that, just coming alongside the seeing week in, week out, chatting with her, serving her, loving her, that she has felt able to share this um, huge, huge stuff that she's dealing with and a situation that's coming up. Um, So we're going to be able to stand alongside her and support her in that over Um, the coming months. So coming back to John Wesley, I think John Wesley, we've got a lot to learn from him today and the challenge that he gave of maintaining the integrity of the good news of the gospel at the same time as as connecting in an increasingly pluralistic culture. When we're going abroad on a mission, those of us that have been abroad on a mission, we prepare, don't we? We, we, get, we want to know about the culture. We prepare as for how we're going to be able to connect and um, reach with the people that we're going to. Increasingly, in our rapidly changing culture here, there are lots of lessons that we can learn from preparing to go on mission. Um, and reading our community Asking what is it that shapes our neighbourhood? What shapes our workplace, our class, or the group of people that we're part of? Asking God to show us beyond the obvious, beyond the things like consumerism, digital technology, individualism, pluralism. And asking God to show us what he sees. Show us what he sees is happening in the lives of the people that we're connecting with. And asking him to show us what he wants for that community. I could do another whole talk here on missional imagination, so I'm just going to sort of leave that there um, and drop that in. But by understanding our community, it gives us an insight in how we can make the message relevant and how to share a message that increasingly is countercultural and to do that in a way that doesn't lose the impact or the challenge of the Christian values and practices. There is a danger in becoming so in line with our culture, so like the people that we're trying to reach, that we make the message so relevant that we lose the authority of it, or that we take so much care not to offend people that we risk watering down the true message of Jesus. And we also need to take care to include the entire message of Jesus. Sometimes we try and miss out the bits that could seem offensive or seem too costly, don't we? But we're called to share the whole message of Jesus with those um, that we are around. One more thing from John Wesley. Um, John Wesley also taught that ministry, mission, becomes less of a chore and more of an opportunity. He realized that when he understood that evangelism, mission, outreach, whatever you want to call it, was an opportunity to join in with what's God's been, what God was doing. 
And that's been a real light bulb moment for me. Um, I sort of thought of, you know, saw evangelism as something that I had to do, um, that it was going out, it was telling people about Jesus. If I'm going to be honest, I didn't find it easy, didn't know what to say, was afraid of what people might think. But since I've seen that actually it's an opportunity and that it isn't just going out and preaching, everybody you see preaching about Jesus, telling them about Jesus, but that it's just following Jesus' example of coming alongside, doing life with people, and through that, the way we live, the way we speak, the way we care, the way we serve, that that is the, what gets the message across. That has just completely changed it for me. And I'm finding that I'm having more conversations about Jesus now that I'm not trying. When I was trying to think, right, okay, how am I going to get Jesus in this? I when they asked me what I do on a Sunday, yeah, I can say I go to church, but then how do I bring Jesus? And I was getting myself tied up in knots, but particularly with my running friends. Now, I'm just starting to be natural with them, and I'm talking more about Jesus than I ever did before. I've got a couple of friends, that running friends, that I'm really close with, and um, I've really surprised them. Their view of Christians were that we were quite boring, and we didn't drink, and we didn't have fun, and um, I enjoy a drink with them. We, we have fun. We have a laugh. We, you know, we chat about tough stuff. We chat about fun stuff. Um, and they're now starting to ask me about my faith. They're asking me, well, what difference does it mean having, you know, going to church and all that kind of thing? Um, and it's just, it's not a chore anymore. So that's just been a real light bulb moment. And, and that's, that's what Jesus did. Jesus was just with people. He, he hung out with them. He ate with them. He chatted about the things that concerned them. And then out of the way he was, the things that he said, that was how he then showed them a, the different way that things could be. So I'm going to end with a challenge, and I'm going to come back to the river. Do the band want to be coming up um, to join me? Because we're going to move into a time of worship. So... Will you go where the river flows and join in with what God is doing? God created us to love him and be in a relationship with him. And we are called by him to be his instrument to share his love in the world so that the world can be restored and know him too. And we are called to disciple people to live in a relationship with him. So the church of God doesn't have a mission. The God of mission has a church. And as the church, as God's people, as Jesus' followers, we are his instruments, each one called to say yes to participating in God's mission right where we are. We aren't all called to cross the sea or an ocean to be a missionary for God, but we are all called to step into the river and go where the river flows into our playground, classroom, office, corridor, street, community, town, and to get close and personal with the people in the places where God has put us every day. And when we're there, to be an agent of God's mission, a bringer of transformation, a bringer of God's preferred future. 
So we're going to pause, and if you'd like to, I'd like to challenge you to ask God now, who is he calling you this week to come alongside, to get up close and personal with? Who is it that you see maybe every day, every week, that God just wants to say to you now, that's who I want you to come alongside this week? Let's just pause and allow God to speak, and then I'll pray before we worship. Thank you, God, that you came to earth. Thank you that you chose to come to earth as a human baby to live among us. Thank you that you became so that we might become. Thank you for the example that we have in Jesus of how Jesus lived among people, how Jesus came up close and personal with people, and through his everyday words and actions was able to teach people and show people how much you love for them and the plan that you have for them. Thank you that you call us with all of our weaknesses, with all our failings, just as we are, to join you in your awesome mission to draw people closer to you. We're sorry for when we make that bigger than what it is, when, when, when we're scared, when we, when we kind of don't know what to do. And thank you that, that you are always with us, that you promise to be with us. Thank you that you have sent us, you have sent the Holy Spirit to equip us and enable to do this. And so we just say now, here I am, God. Thank you for choosing me. Send me. Thank you for showing me who it is that you want me to connect with, who you want me to come alongside, to get up close and personal with this week. Thank you that you go before us. Thank you that you are with us. And thank you that we are just joining in with what you are already doing. So just fill us equip us, strengthen us to go out this week to step into the flow of your river and to participate in your mission for our families, workplaces, communities and this area. Amen.